say just thank you so much to this community as well for having me. I definitely feel very blessed um, and it's an absolute privilege as well. Um, we should get into things, shouldn't we? Um, well, it is, as always, a wonderful privilege to be able to come and share um, and hopefully talk for a little bit and hopefully make some sense. Um, but that's yet to be seen, of course. Let's wait till the end till we decide on that one. Um, thanks for the small giggle off to the left, whoever that was. Um, but I, I, we're starting a new series with Cornerstone for this next, uh, these next months. Um, and that series is called The Jesus Life. So uh, Graham and Josh asked me, Chris, would you come and preach on the Jesus life? Something that means something to you about Jesus, something that stood out to you. Um, and, and to be honest, sort of sometimes a, a, an open slate is harder than you think. Um, I was kind of like, the Jesus life, yeah, what does that mean? What's something that's maybe stood out to me about the Jesus life? But I gave it some thinking, um, thank goodness, and I think I've got something to talk about. So it should be fun, um, but I want to start somewhere maybe a little bit peculiar, as I usually like to do. Um, I was going to ask Micah to go to the next slide. I realised I've got a clicker. Sorry, Micah, you're doing a great job, mate. Thanks for the thumbs up, too. Um, growing up Christian, and maybe this will work into tonight, I'm just, you know joining all these dots here. Uh, growing up Christian, I grew up in a, or oh, maybe I shouldn't say because the next slides. No, I'll say. I grew up in a town called Rockhampton, a small country town. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> hello. <laughs> we got some excitement for Rockhampton this morning. Um, bless you, Lord. Um, we grew, I grew up in a town called Rockhampton. Anyway, and I went to this really uh, intense Christian school um, and there's one other person in the room who went to that Christian school as well, Maka, down the front row. He's excited to hear about this. Um, but I, the Christian school I grew up in and the years that I grew up in it was really obsessed with doing things right. I don't know about you, maybe you've lived a Christian life that's obsessed with doing things right. Actually, do you know what? Doing things right is probably not the best word. Doing things perfectly <laughs> might actually be the best word. Have you ever grown up in that, or have you ever experienced that kind of Christianity that uh, the goal of the human life is to live perfect, to live the perfect life. There's not a single nod in the room, so I'm just <laughs> assuming it's just me here, and, well, this might be just me talking to myself. But this perfect, this concept of the perfect Christian life, what that I found that that can turn into was less about what we should do in the Christian life, but more about what we say no to. So what do I mean by that? Well, I grew up in a Christian school during my primary school years, and every single week, every single week, this is not an exaggeration, someone jumped up on assembly and banned something. <laughs> Have you ever had this experience? So what I want to do is I want to play a little bit of a game with the congregation. I'm going to throw some pictures up on the screen, and I want to just take a little quick vote. Do you think it was banned or not banned? How do we feel about this? So first up, look at these guys. <laughs> what, are, what are we saying? Are we saying banned? Not banned? We got some banned? Banned? Oh, it's, it's, yeah, all the people from Christian schools know, dang right, this sucker was banned. Look at these guys. They're green. They're named after Renaissance painters. They do karate or something like that. They, their master's a rat. We can't have that, right? Get him out of here. Uh, next one. What do you reckon? What do you reckon? Do you reckon banned or not banned? Not banned? Someone said 100% banned. <laughs> I, I, know what, I know what you're thinking. 
multi-ethnic youths in spandex. <laughs> banned. Get them out of here. We don't weed that in our Christian community. Banned as well. Yes, absolutely banned. Next. Now, this one is easy, right? Easy, easy. Okay. Definitely banned. You're all right, of course. Banned. Okay, you got it. Banned. What about these guys? Yeah, get them out of here. You're right. Now, I will say, banning that one just made me want to watch it so much more. <laughs> Um, and I think I quote that to Carla more than anything else, and she loves it. She loves it. Um, uh, <laughs> what about this one? Savage Garden. Early 2000s pop music. Dang right, that was banned. Get that Savage Garden out of here. Uh, there's no... Yeah, should be thankful. There's no going to the moon and back. Um, that was a, a, literally a reference to one of their songs, by the way. I had to look that up to remind myself. Um, something about cannonballs, I think, is in one of them as well. Yeah, this is... Very, very obscure joke limitations I'm giving as well, um, fans of Savage Garden. Uh, so really, the Christian life to me was kind of really built on this whole concept of saying no to things. Now, look, you need to know, some of those things probably should be banned, I don't know, that's up to you to figure out. Um, but it was actually even more than that, and just seeing Iggy here before reminded me of it. Funny enough, in Rockhampton of all places, mullets were banned. And Iggy's sporting a very beautiful mullet at the moment, banned. Get that out of here. ACDC, of course, was banned. Uh, Silverchair came to town, banned. Just everything you can imagine was banned. And I, I grew up living this kind of Christian life that was obsessed with what I say no to. And I can remember walking around constantly just thinking about, oh, I can't do that. Oh, don't watch that. Don't think that. Don't say that. And do you know what? I'm not even saying that's a wrong, that a bad thing, because there are some things in our Christian life that we need to say no to, isn't there? Right? There probably is. And I'm sure there's some things in your Christian life that you've said no to as well. Well, I hope so anyway. We can't just go around saying yes to everything. But I think when we have this kind of obsession with saying no to things, maybe sometimes we can miss what also we say yes to. And I think the Christian life is not just about our no's, but it's also about our yeses. And this is actually the human life, isn't it? The human life is built upon this concept of you and I choosing what we say yes to and what we say no to. Our yeses and our noes are much more important than you could ever imagine. It's not just about, I don't know, saying no to little ninja turtles, but it's also about saying yes to love, to hope, to family, to community our yeses and our noes. So, this gives, brings us to the book of John. Now, in the book of John, in, this is just in the first two chapters. This is like a little bit of a one-word overview for you so I can show you where we're going here. Now, remember, growing up in this Christian life, everything was banned, fun, including, was banned. Um, I should say as well, to give you a character tour of the sort of kid that that grew up, uh, I remember being like 11 or 12 years old in youth ministry, sitting there going, why are we wasting our time playing games? We should be talking about the Bible more, right? This is the kid, and I know you're all thinking, I do not want to be friends with that kid. <laughs> Carla married that kid. She's loving every minute of it. Um, just a Bible study every night. No. <laughs> so, in the book of John, uh, chapter 1, we've all sort of read what happens uh, the book of John. I'm sure you've read chapter 1, but it starts off with uh, John's kind of big assertion of the Logos, right? And it's actually John 
straight away from day dot, from the very first line in his gospel, mapping Jesus not only as human, but as also as fully God, right? Fully divine. So he's making this argument from the very first word, in, in the beginning was the word. So this, this concept of logos. Then, it moves from this assertion of Jesus as God, as fully God, it moves into Jesus as, uh, sorry, it moves into someone preparing the way for God to come to earth. And this person preparing the way was who? John the Baptist, the prophet. This prophet, who will, Jesus even describes him as more than a prophet, but he's like one, it says he's one in the wilderness, preparing the way ye for the Lord, right? Like, like yelling, he's, he's doing these weird things. He's wearing camel skins and eating locusts and all this sort of stuff, but he's preparing the way for the Lord, for God to come here. The next little portion is it moves to Jesus going out, this person, this, this person coming to earth, going out into the wilderness to be baptized by John, and John sees him, the greatest man at that time, in that age, the, the greatest prophet sees him and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So, we've got God is here, John the prophet announces him to be the most important person. This is the Lamb of God. And of course, if he's the Lamb of God, he's getting some disciples, right? He's getting some followers. There's, so all the, again, it's just reinforcing the miraculous nature, this God here on earth. But what's the next thing that happens? And I find this so peculiar. The next thing that happens is a party, Right? For some reason, God doesn't go and start doing amazing things, raising people from the dead. He goes to a wedding party. The introduction we have of God here on earth is a wedding party. I found out you can put emojis, by the way, on PowerPoint. So be prepared for a PowerPoint slideshow that is just riddled with emojis. Um, but for some reason, God wants to go to a wedding party. Now, imagine this growing up, the Christian kid who's super sheltered, who thinks fun's the worst thing, and you try to tell him that God went to a party and had a good time. Right? I'm like, get out of here. That doesn't sound like God at all. Now, don't worry, I'm not saying that God's like the, like Jesus is like the eternal frat boy or something like that. That's not at all what's happening here. Don't worry. But what I am saying is Jesus found it important to go and actually have, to be a part of a party, to be a part of a feast, of a festival. He's actually celebrating. And he does this amazing miracle where he turns water into wine. So, why on earth would he do that? The next thing he does is he flips tables as well, which I love. He flips tables in the temples in John's Gospel. So, he goes to the wedding party before he goes and cleans up the temple. This is confusing to me, and I hope it's a little bit confusing to you, because that's the premise of this sermon, so it's going to be boring otherwise. But then I realize, actually, that Jesus doing this once in John's Gospel in chapter 2 is actually not an isolated, because I'm like, is it a duck out of water? Is this just like a, a, an isolated event in his Christian life? Is he doing more things than just going to parties? Well, actually, there's a bit of a theme, and I just threw some of them up there for you. So we have John chapter 2, Jesus at the wedding at Cana. We've got Luke chapter 5, Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners in the home of Levi. 
Luke chapter 7, Jesus anointed a woman at a Pharisee's house. Again, he's having like a dinner party. Luke, uh, Matthew 14 and Luke 9, he's feeding people. There's this theme over and over of Jesus, of God, enjoying fellowship, enjoying a good time with his friends. And actually, not just his friends, and I think this is the beautiful part, is at a Jesus party, and God, I sound like my teacher actually when I was grade five, saying at a Jesus party, don't I? <laughs> that sounds like what youth pastors would try to get young people to come along to youth ministry back in the 90s. Come along to the best Jesus party out on a Friday night. Okay. Sorry, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, there is this Jesus party which has got a few things differently going on. It's not like everyone's going to get loose or something or crunk. Maybe that's the word I used to use. But there was actually... What is going on here? Hey. (laughs) But maybe at a Jesus party, there's something just as, if not more important. And that's, at a Jesus party, everyone's invited. Right? And actually, a lot of the times going on in the Gospels of these occurrences is Jesus is getting in trouble for who's there. What's some of the things going on? There's things like, oh, you're eating with those people? Oh, you're okay for that woman to come and anoint your feet? At a Jesus party, everyone's invited. Reading the commentators actually on the miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine, one of the, most of the commentators actually just agree on that All it's simply saying is, when you're at a Jesus party, there's enough for everyone. There's enough for everyone. Everyone's invited. There's enough for everyone. And the beautiful part going on in John chapter 2 is it finishes with this really kind of poignant line where it says, and God's glory was revealed amongst them. What? So at a party, at a wedding feast, God was there. Everyone was invited. There was enough for everyone. And God's glory was revealed. When's the last party you went to that had three great notes like that, right? But I think there is something unique going on here in the Jesus life that's showing us when we get together, when we're willing to celebrate with one another, everyone should be invited. There should be enough for everyone. And God's going to be glorified in our midst. Maybe you've thought, maybe you can remember the last time you had like a dinner party and maybe you felt some beautiful things like this. So, in Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, we kind of actually see this playing out a little bit more. And we see that Jesus is partying and he's feasting he's actually gotten a little bit of a reputation for himself. And actually, the religious leaders of the day aren't super happy with the way Jesus is showing them what life should look like. And there's this moment where John the Baptist sends some disciples to ask Jesus, hey Jesus, are you the Messiah? I remember Jesus like heals a blind person, then he tells the disciples to go back and tell the people, tell John what they saw. But there's this really beautiful moment where Jesus starts saying these things. He's talking to the religious elite here in this moment. He says this, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. But the Son of Man came, meaning Jesus, eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right 
by all her children. What on earth is going on? Well, let me hopefully tell that to you. In this moment, what's going on with Luke is he's actually trying to show us the two people uh, juxtaposed, oh, how do you say that word? Did I did it? I did it. You did it, Chris. (laughs) Juxtaposed against each other. Two people, both living how God wants them to live, both living a Christian life, but both look very, very different, right? We have John the Baptist, who's the camel skin wearer. The ascetic life, again, emojis. The ascetic life, a life of no's, right? A life of saying, well, I'm not going to live with the normal people in the city. I'm going to move out into the countryside. I'm going to be amongst the wilderness and I'm going to live that life. And then we've got Jesus, the festive life I've called it, or the life of yeses. The point of this is not to say that one way is better than the other, but actually to say that both are what God wanted those people to do. And in actual fact, the common theme amongst them both is they're both not accepted by the general religious group. They're both, so no matter what we do, no matter what both of these guys do, whether they didn't do this or whether they did do this, someone's going to have an opinion and complain about it and say that that's not right. Now, that doesn't sound like today at all, right? (laughs) I haven't heard anyone's opinion for years. I've been wondering. I'd actually like to get some more, so please come and tell me afterwards. (laughs) This juxtaposition is really kind of confronting. But actually, I think it tells me that our Christian life is maybe not just about no's and not just about yes's, but about both. That it's actually totally valid for me to say no to some things. And it's totally valid for me to say yes to some things. And I'd say the same for you is probably true as well. Have you ever had to say no to some things? Do you know, I went through this really weird season, not weird, a really special season in my life, where I felt like I needed to say no to like consumerism, just as like a concept. I was like, do you know what? I've got one pair of jeans, that's enough. I, just, I have one, like, that's, I got rid of everything else. I was like, I'm just gonna live with one pair of jeans. And I did it. We say no to that. Just, they were really high-waisted jeans. <laughs> a lot of shoulder going on. Um, I had one pair of jeans and I decided as well that I was only going to wear black t-shirts actually. I just had like four black t-shirts that I just rotate. Um, now, for some reason in that as well, it, I don't know why, but it meant I didn't wash my jeans for like two years as well. But that was maybe just my young bachelor disgusting moments. Um, but I actually felt like I had to say no to being caught up in this life of constantly chasing after like fashion and style and goods. And I was like, Do you know what? I need to say no to those things because I feel like my focus is being taken off the things that it should be on. So I said no. Um, and I said no really weirdly. And it only caught on for some people like a year and a half later. They were like, do you only have one pair of pants? Like, yes, I do. And I love them. Um, Have you ever had to say yes to some things? I, no, <laughs> never. Don't know what you're talking about. 
Um, I remember when um, Carla and I were in Sydney. This is before we were dating. Carla, and I'm going to broadcast this, Carla kind of asked me on a few little, like, like, like dates. <laughs> she was like, hey, do you want to meet me at a coffee shop? And I was like, no. <laughs> and I did that over and over. Um, <laughs> she wanted to take me shopping. <laughs> she wanted to like wash my pants probably. Um, and I said no over and over actually. And then Carla went on this international holiday and I moved interstate. And for some reason at that moment, with the most amount of separation between us, I was like, I need to say yes to this girl. And I started messaging her. And you know what? Her question was, really? <laughs> now? Why are you saying yes now? But all of a sudden, I felt like something shifted and I needed to start saying yes. Now, I know these are cheesy examples, but I think there's something important to our lives when we realize that they are truly built upon our yeses and our noes. And the Christian life especially is going to be all about what you say yes to and what you say no to. And you know what? John had to say no to some things that Jesus got to say yes to. And Jesus said no to some things that John probably got to say yes to. And that's okay. What was important was actually in the diversity of two people living out what God had called them to do. This is like a complexity. It's not easy. It's not clear cut. And that frustrates me. But we have to lean into that sort of sometimes, don't we? We have to lean into that no. We don't have to live as monks in the wilderness, even though I would love to. Well, maybe, we, maybe that is what you need to do. I work with a man named Van, and, Do- and Josh works with him as well, who's like, I think it might be, he might be John the Baptist, like here on earth. Like, <laughs> he might be like the second coming. Like, he, he prays all the time. He reads his Bible in Greek. He's so ethereal. Sometimes he dances. He's just like the most magical man, like it feels like, right? That's actually not what I need to do. I don't, I don't need to live and express my Christian life that way, and that's okay. I can be a little bit festive, and that's all right. I can try to be a little bit funny, and that's okay. It's about you and I leaning and embracing the diversity of who God's created us to be. Both were unaccepted, but both were right. Right? Both were said, no, that's wrong, by the religious majority, but both were actually totally okay. Our no's and our yeses are really what define us as humans in our life. Maybe we need to, maybe you need to live on a mountain for a little bit, I don't know. Or maybe you need to just embrace where you are and live the Christian life in your everyday experience, however that looks. I think I remember getting caught up obsessing that the Christian life was best expressed being a monk in the wilderness, away and out of touch with everything, when really my best Christian life is actually expressed where I am here in this community, eating and drinking and enjoying the festivities with my fellow brothers and sisters. And right, this is what happens in John 10.10. I know you've read it before, but there is this kind of moment where Jesus is saying, Well, there's a lot of things going on, but you and I are called to say yes to life. You and I are called to live life to the full, however that life looks, as long as we are being faithful to what God 
has called us to do, even though it may look a little bit different, even though it may not be accepted or loved by everyone around you, but being faithful to what God is talking and calling us to do. One of my favorite albums is um, by a band called Gang of Youths. Um, And the reason I love the album is because it's like existential dread on 12 tracks, right? Um, But over the album, it's like, he calls uh, the the singer, he's like got a really weird French name, I'm not going to try, but he calls into question like religion, he calls into question doubts about faith, he calls into question like death, all these really big human emotions and feelings. And at the end of the whole album, like the second last line, after all of this dread, he comes to this conclusion that we must make the choice to say yes to life. Through the pain, through the doubts, through the frustrations, we have got the opportunity to not just say no to a whole bunch of things, but to say yes to life. What about you? Are you saying yes to life? Are you saying yes to the life that God's given you, that Jesus has shown you how to live? Are you saying your no's and your yeses? Are you saying yes to life? Now, I think what's really beautiful, if I can grab the band up, is we're actually going to finish this message, land this message in communion. Now, I love the Jesus life that his kind of earthly ministry and miraculous journey starts with him at a bit of a party. One of the last things he does before he dies is he celebrates a meal, a festive moment with his disciples. After he dies, resurrects, again, he's found cooking a meal for his disciples. It's so fitting that we would spend and celebrate his life by sharing a meal together. And what do we know about that Jesus meal? It's that everyone's invited, there's enough for everyone, and in it, God will be revealed. The Christian life is about our yeses and our noes. It's about our diversity, it's about our change, it's about what God is doing here. It's about what do you say no to and what do you say yes to? And most of all, say yes to life. Say yes to what God is doing in, your, in our midst. Say yes to living life where you are and how God wants us to live. And we're going to do that by celebrating a meal together in line with Christ. So let's get it out of the way. Let's have the ceremonial great rip if you want to rip that communion cup and as we celebrate and take communion this morning I want you to remember that we have the ability to come to the table, to the festive, the festivities, to the celebration of life with Christ. We have the opportunity to say yes to community, to love, to joy, to hope. 
and we have the opportunity to say no to some things. And I wonder as you take the bread and eat the cup, uh, <laughs> if you eat the bread and drink the cup this morning, you can think about those things in your life that maybe you need to say no to. And also reflect on those things in your life that you need to say yes to. Maybe there are some things that you're like, do you know what? That takes up way too much of my brain power. I need to say no to that for a while. Maybe there are some things that you're way too obsessed with, way too connected with, like an easy one's always like social media, for example. Maybe you need to say no to that for a while, and that's okay. And I also want you to think about what are those things you need to say yes to? Because it's all right to say those yeses as well. Who are those people that you need to say yes to? What are those moments that you need to say yes to? And say yes to life. So if you would stand with me. Christ, we stand here again this day celebrating the fact that you were willing to eat and to drink with us. And though the religious majority saw what you were doing and called you a drunk and a glutton, we remember that you were actually uniting the world through eating and drinking and fellowshipping with one another. May we too say yes to what you said yes to. May we too say yes to uniting the world through eating and drinking with one another, through extending the hand of fellowship to those who haven't been extended it before. May we be those who are willing to hold those Jesus parties where everyone's invited, where there's enough for everyone and where you are revealed in our midst. Let us eat and drink together.